On this week's episode, Alan and I discuss how to break into coon hunting and then ultimately how to get into competing with your hound. You'll want to stick around for this one. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coon hounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Welcome everybody to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Wade. I'm the Coonhound Program Manager here at UKC, and I'm joined by the Director of Hunting Ops, Alan Gingrich. What's going on, Alan? Doing well, Trevor. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just a little bit earlier today, I found out that 18 years ago, pretty big day for you, huh? Uh, it is. It's my anniversary today. 18 yeah. years here at UKC. Yeah. Man, the things that you've seen change here and that you've in, you've uh, orchestrated to change here. A lot of houndsmen out there should be appreciative of all you've done for the sport. I'll just tell you that for sure. Yeah, I don't know about that, but no, it's I I would have never thought I'd be here that long, you know. But uh, I think I mentioned it this morning. I thought maybe ten years or so, but uh, hey, it's it's been a good eighteen years. That's for sure. It has. It's been good. Doesn't seem that long, but it's it's been a while. Flew by, huh? <laughs> it has flown by. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy how fast the years go by. It's it's crazy. We're already planning for twenty twenty three and stuff, but. How's the hunting season going for you so far? Oh, okay. I guess I've, uh, you know, we've talked about it several times on this podcast about, you know, I try to go up north quite a bit, running the beagles a whole, or trying to run them as much as I can. And and I did sneak up last uh, Friday, day after Thanksgiving, I did sneak up and uh, and ran for just on Friday. And it was another good day up there. But yeah, I usually by this time, I've been up there five, six, seven times, but not this year. Yeah. But I hope to get up there another time or two, though, before the snow gets too deep. Yeah. What about what about you? How's your little pup coming along? Well, she's she's coming along. That's about it so far. She's not quite eight months old yet. We uh, actually uh, took her out hunting a few times when I first got her, and then uh, gun season came in up here in Michigan. And when you hunt a lot yeah. of state land, it makes it hard to do yeah. to do that. So actually, last night was the first time I've been hunting, and I was also on vacation for for nine days. I went down to Tennessee and did the whole Thanksgiving Christmas stuff with those yeah, yeah. folks down there. So yeah. last night was my first time hunting in two weeks, and it was a pretty good night. We we treated a couple of coons, and yeah. I, I harvested one out to the, just to let her know what one was. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, she fooled around with a little bit, but we're we got we got a ways to go still. Yet, yeah, she's young. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, your vacation last week, you went down to Tennessee, but you also got a chance to go to the old your old coon club there, and they had uh, one of those pilot uh, hunts, the uh, the ten mile three hundred, I guess they call it, like a, a super slam. Yeah, um, I went down there uh, last Saturday night. I was down there for their for their super slam event, and man, it's just, we don't get a, we don't get a lot of opportunities ourselves to go back to the local clubs yeah. uh, and do that kind of stuff. Just we're always on the road at, yeah. at major events. And you know, doesn't it, it feel good to walk in though? And just so good. A lot of times if it's like me, me going back to the Whitley County Coon Hunters Club there, it seems like nothing, nothing has changed. Right. It doesn't seem like everything's still exactly where it was. Yeah. seems like, and, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of really familiar faces got to yeah. catch up with a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while. And like you said, all the pictures and everything on the wall, going back and going through all the memories there, and it was just mm -hmm. an awesome time. Yeah, everybody sitting around the wood stove and eating some potato soup, and it was just perfect. <laughs> it was a good night. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, today's episode's a little bit different for us. Uh, getting into the into the episode here, um, we we've been on rules now for a couple months. It seems like we've been buried deep in rules. And we keep talking about we're going to go back to the basics and talk to some beginners in this podcast. And I think today we're actually going to get a chance to do that. Yeah, well, good. That's I think it's a great topic, one we wanted to do for a while. So, yeah, I read some of the notes you put together here for it. So it's all good. I haven't done a whole lot of homework here, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try it, to add in a little bit where I can, I guess. Yeah, I think the basic premise here is basically we have four questions to answer for people new uh, in different uh, facets of the sport. First you're just now getting the hound and you're just now getting into hunting. The second question is you've been hunting. Now you're interested in competing with hounds. The third question is you've been competing with your hounds, but now it's time to step up and possibly start judging at some events. And then the last one is you get elected as an official. We get a lot of phone calls about people who just got elected as an official at their coon club. 
uh, what are the next steps there? What do you need to know? Uh, some common mistakes, stuff like that. So I think it's going to be a lot of information. I think it'll be a lot of good information for people to to soak in, and hopefully we give out some some good pointers and tips. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we're probably not the the professionals here, so to speak. We can we hopefully we can have a little bit of advice, you know, based on our own experiences and things. But yeah, good topics. Yeah, good topics. And we've we've heard uh, podcasts similar to these before, and uh, we're going to keep it uh, basic here and give some basic information. But there's also a lot of information out there. Yeah, that well, we to. we talk a whole lot about uh, some of our most uh, biggest, newest programs, like the TOC. You know, there's a lot of there's a, they're exciting programs for us. You know, but they're you know they're uh, for somebody new, they're like you know what is that? You know, so uh, uh, having this uh, you know doing this topic, this you know kind of going back to the basics. You know, and the other thing I think we want to make very clear is um, while uh, some of those that are new to the sport are very new, and those are the ones we're wanting to speak to today, basically, but um, uh, we want them to know that, uh, hey, we have a good platform for somebody to start. Yep, absolutely. You know, and we want them to come in and we want to uh, hopefully uh, uh, try to help them, give them some information and what to do. You know, when you and I first started, at least that's the way it was for me, we got we were kind of lucky on my part where we had a couple of friends that kind of got put us in touch with a couple of guys that were members of a coon club. And that's, right. that's kind of how it started for us, you know, but uh, we were kind of lucky. But we realized there's a lot of people that don't really know where to go. You know, they see things on the Internet, this and that. But hopefully we'll give them some good advice today. And we, uh, hey, we have, yes, we have uh, $200,000 hunts you can compete in, but... Uh, We've also we've also got that ground floor entry level uh, uh, club for you to go to or event for you to go and participate in and, and learn. Yeah. And and people may not recognize or may not think about it. So you can't have that top floor if you don't have that bottom floor and that foundation. And that having that uh, that base down there that the new the beginners add into the entry pool, registering their dogs, and there's no TOC, that's there's no world finals, there's none of that. That's exactly right. We talk a lot about the big winners of big hunts and big events and this and that, you know. But I can tell you one thing: those guys all had to start at ground zero somewhere. Yep, sometimes right. somewhere. Well, let's get right into the to the first topic here. The first question we sometimes get calls on. People are just now got a hound or they're looking to get into hounds. Maybe they saw something. They saw one of our YouTube live shows and now they're interested in coon hunting. How can they get into coon hunting and into hounds in particular? And I, I guess the first thing we could talk about is uh, just some things to consider when you're getting a hound. Yeah. Um, can basically find them just about anywhere these days. You you can. And, you know, if you don't have if you don't have a hound, the first thing I would suggest before you just go out, just because you're interested, I would I would suggest first go out and find somebody to go hunting with. You know, make sure this is something that you want to do, want to do. You know, it's uh, uh, there. There's a lot of responsibilities that go right. along with it, you know, but uh, first go out and, and hunt with somebody, you know, and that's that would be the first step. Right. And uh it's if you're like me, I like going out hunting with different dogs and different people and things like that, but it's not the same as having your own dog in the, the hunt. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree. With Something that. about that, you that, know. Unless you're uh, stuck in a briar thicket and you're glad you don't have a, a yeah. hound on the end of your leash then, yeah. but no, I agree totally. Hey, I remember when I was a kid, young, 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 I could not wait to get my own first dog. Yeah. My dad had a, had a couple of hounds. My grandfather had a couple of hounds, you know, but uh, it was nothing like that like having your own first time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like I was saying, you can just about find them anywhere these days. Probably the two best mediums that I see out there are obviously social media. Uh, there are people who have dogs or pups for sale all over those pages. Yep. Uh, online forums, uh, probably not as popular as they once were, but there's still a lot of traffic on those pages. We still have on our UKC forums, we still have dogs posted daily um, of, of all the breeds that you can go there and look at. And then another good option and how I got started is just finding people in your area that hunt, go and look at their dogs, hunt with some different dogs, and then maybe you find a dog that way. Yeah. And that's, a, that's good advice there. You know, lean on folks, ask questions. Yeah. You know, it's, it, there's, there's no dumb questions. There's, you know, there's ask questions. And, uh, and I think you can find uh, folks that'll are always willing to help somebody out that's interested in the sport or interested in hunting uh, or hunting with hounds, you know, uh, Plenty of people around if you just if you just look around a little bit, ask around a little bit, you know, and you'll you'll find somebody that'll help mentor you. You know, I think I my brother and I were like a lot of folks uh, are when especially when you're young. And I think one of the biggest uh, if I had to do it over and some advice I would give 
is is a lot of folks want to start tend to want to start with a puppy, right? And I think you and I would both agree, and a lot of folks would agree uh, with experience. We'd say no, that's not the best way, because they don't they just don't all make it for one, right? But I think you're always better served to get your first dog to be a dog that's well seasoned and trained, and, and even if it's an older dog. Uh, oh, perfect. You know, it yep. really doesn't matter how old you are, you know, and especially for a young kid, get something that's five, six, seven years old and yep. uh, go hunt with that dog for a while. And I think that's that would be one thing that I would suggest over a puppy. Oh, yeah. I think everybody has the fairy tale. Maybe it's from uh, books or right, uh, right. maybe where the red from goes, you see right. he gets these pair of puffs and raises them up. But oftentimes it doesn't work like that. What What happens is, you don't know anything about coon hunting and you're going to ruin this pup and it's going to sour the sport for you. Yeah. Um, I know when I, whenever I've got my first good season dog, uh, she taught me more about coon hunting than anything else could. Yeah. Uh, it's like you said, I think she was seven, six or seven when I first got mm -hmm. her, maybe had slowed down a couple pegs, but was actually good for me. No, she yeah. wasn't blowing around. She wasn't making a ton of mistakes. She was a mm -hmm. good season coon dog. And I learned a lot about coon hunting from her. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's the best advice for somebody new getting their first dog, what type of dog they should look for. I would suggest a seasoned, well-trained dog. Even, even if, uh, Okay, you can go buy a puppy maybe for between two and four or five hundred dollars for a puppy, uh, and now a, a well seasoned dog. And just just depends on where you go. Oftentimes, you'll if you if you network a little bit or find some folks, uh, some mentors around, somebody will help you find that dog. Maybe it's one that's uh, already has a night champion title or is titled maybe, and and the owner is uh, doesn't really. You know, it's kind of an extra dog for right. them, and they see somebody's motivation that they really want. You'd be surprised. Uh, you might be able to pick up a well-seasoned dog for for a, a decent price. And even though, even if you have to spend a little bit more, I think it's going to be uh, you're going to be much the wiser for it. Right. And when you talk about buying dogs, another thing to keep in mind, another pointer I had here is make sure you're trying those dogs out especially when you're just getting into it. I'm not saying that everybody that has a dog for sale is a liar, uh, but there's people out there who who will take advantage of you if you allow them to. And it's better to be safe and sorry. Go hunting with the dog. See what it is before you ever purchase that dog. That's good advice. Really good advice. No, no matter what, you know, it's uh, go hunt with the dog at night. And most most guys that are serious about selling a dog or whatever, they have no no trouble in showing you the dog. You know, if they if they shy away from that, it's probably a good uh, good. Uh, reason for you to also shy away from even yeah. worrying about that dog. Go look for something else. That's absolutely right. Um, and then the next thing when you're just getting started is limit your expectations. Uh, I think social media has made it to where uh, reality versus the stuff you see on social media isn't exactly, it doesn't match up really. You see a lot of stuff on social media and you don't know how, what the situation is. Don't look and see this six-month-old pup on Facebook and think that uh, you're, if your six-month-old pup isn't doing it, that you're doing something wrong. Right. Everybody has their own pace and everything. And don't yeah. get discouraged by what you see on social media. Just uh, stay, the, stay the course. Yeah. Um, and, and like saying, just don't get frustrated. Everybody stays at their own pace. Uh, me starting out, I, had, uh, I did not have an easy time getting into coon hunting. First off, I made a lot of mistakes starting out. Um, and finally... Uh, I was just about to get out of it when I finally had somebody, like you said, uh, who uh, who had this older English female and got me got me into it and it got me hooked into it. And uh, a lot of people fizzle out by then. They've already gotten so frustrated with their situation with the dogs and seeing other people flourishing in the same area, and they just completely get out of it. So don't let that don't fall into that trap. Yeah, just stay positive. No, I think that's a that's good advice too you know for for us when we first started we like i said we we started with a puppy my brother and i did with a with an eight week old puppy you know and that was a lot of fun and just lucky for us the dog turned out half decent uh but that is that is we got lucky right. very lucky you okay. know that might be a one in one in five six seven eight you know and it depends on uh depends you know on uh on the line, I guess, or the strain sometimes, you know, your odds, I guess. But, uh, and then the other thing with training, you know, we, we didn't know a whole lot about training other than, uh, we learned, uh, got some pointers from our grandfather, you know, and honestly, when we were, uh, we lived in Northern Michigan and our grandfather lived in Indiana. So it's not like he was close by 
And back in those days, you know, it wasn't that easy to get a hold of grandpa every time, <laughs> anytime we wanted to talk to him or whatever. Right. But, uh, sure. Um, we, we did get lucky there, but I would, I would still, uh, still, uh, suggest get you a, get you a good trained dog that's seasoned, um, for your first dog. Sure. And, and talking about that, having a puppy, what often happens is being a new hunter, you just make a lot of, uh, training mistakes. Exactly. And we're going to talk about some of the training mistakes that people make sometimes. And one of those things is they're just overexposing their dogs to yeah. things that, uh, can cause issues down the line. And the number one thing is caged coons. Yeah. I think, uh. You see it all the time. People get so dependent on caged coons. And I was that I was that kid back then when I was first starting out. I thought that was the only way to do it. And, uh, you know, since learned as you work with it, you learn otherwise. But uh, an overexposure to caged coons can cause a lot of issues down the road for your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, hunt, maybe you, a guy you're hunting with has an ill-tempered dog you don't even know about. Uh, could be causing issues with your dog down the line. A dog with bad habits, maybe a dog that chews or... Uh, hunts how you don't want to blows out of the country right, or right. mills around or maybe a dog yeah. that jacks the tree or does different goes back to a tree and this young dog that you're uh you're hunting with this dog just consistently these bad habits are rubbing off on your yeah. young dog whether you know yeah. it or not hey you bring up uh, a, a good point here it kind of takes my mind to you know talking about trying new dogs and we're talking about a seasoned dog uh, you know go hunt with the dog and then second uh, maybe just because the dog trees a couple of coons or whatever and did, you know, you hunted it by itself. Go go talk to somebody that knows dogs, your mentor, whoever that might be, and ask them to go hunting with you. And maybe they take a dog and, and put them out there with, other, with another dog. Because just because a dog... Uh, may look good by itself. Maybe it has, maybe it has issue. You want to make sure you, it doesn't have issues with other dogs or hunting with other dogs and things like that. Cause I can tell you, um, you, you want to hunt with your friends and this and that and hunt right. with other people, but there's, there's probably nothing that can sour friendships quicker is when, if you're hunting a dog that's ill with, you know, that eats up or, you know, wants to, uh, is gets ill with your buddy's dogs and things like that, you know? So there's things yeah. like that, that you want to stay away from, but, uh, uh, we call it checking the dog's oil, you know, but, and maybe, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe making sure, take somebody else with you an experienced hunter, you know, to, to look at this dog and maybe hunt it with a, a, a strange dog to see how it reacts to that. Not a bad idea. Yeah. And I, I think the, the most common training mistake is getting that dog or pup and keeping it in the pen for, for months and hunting it uh, once every couple of weeks and expecting right. it to turn out just because right. of its lineage and stuff yeah. like that. Nothing, nothing in that dog's blood is going to make up for keeping it in the woods, right? Um, and and hunting it regularly. Yep. Um, I have another mm-hmm. point here, and, and it can be uh, kind of two different things that tie in together. And it just says uh, a common training mistake is becoming frustrated or complacent. It's two totally different things, but they can both impact a young hunter's. Uh, uh, arc of how they're how they're going into the sport and then also a dog's development um so i think a big thing for me when i was starting out i was working 12 hour days then and sometimes it's hard when you get home to want to to want to go hunting that night but if you have some buddies around you that are hunting and and you're already sitting on the couch and they shoot you a text you want to go hunt tonight that you're more apt to go hunting if somebody's kind of pushing you and and your mentor or a friend that's pushing you and hunting with you kind of keep you not not getting complacent but right. making sure that you're going hunting regularly yeah. i think yeah. it's a big thing and uh also getting to local coon clubs is is a great place for any hunter to start and find mentors and hunting buddies to to hunt with yeah there's a lot of them out there everywhere yeah. and if if it's if hunting with hounds and especially at night if that's something you're you're not familiar with or have not done much at all or maybe not at all you're going to be surprised the things you learn see learn and hear uh, that happens at night out there that you wouldn't learn or know otherwise. Absolutely. And some, some pretty cool stuff sometimes. Absolutely. And the last thing I can say as a, as kind of a pointer for any new hunters that are just getting into hunting is just be open-minded and willing to learn. Yeah. We've probably talked about that a lot, but don't get stuck in your ways on something you read. Always be open-minded to any information somebody's giving you and whether it works out for you or not is to be seen, but always be open-minded and willing to try different things. To Yeah. We to mentioned ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions, but probably maybe even more important to that is just listen, yeah. listen, listen, what guys are talking about, you know, and, and uh, different folks have different opinions on this and that, and that's all doesn't mean they're right or wrong or one person's, uh, you know, uh, right. And the other one's wrong, you know, but just that's how you learn things. Listen. And a lot of time listening. Yeah. 
We've talked a lot about uh, soaking up information and gathering information from firsthand experience, whether you're in the in the woods with your hound or you're hunting with other people and getting information that way. But I think now more than ever, uh, all the information out there available to you, take advantage of that as well. Uh, there's a lot of material out there for new hunters, especially. There's tons of podcasts. There's YouTube channels. Of course, there's a few different hunt magazines. Uh, lots of good books out there. I know people don't read as much anymore, but there's a lot of good reading material out there that might be outdated, but still pretty pertinent now. Nothing's really changed in the sport of hunting that much. Absolutely. You can get your hands on a lot of material, educational material for sure. And uh, that's uh, one thing that's totally different than when my brother and I were kids, you know. Right. That's, that's totally Absolutely. different, you know. So in today's world, that's one thing that they have a huge advantage, you know, and to uh, to get that material in front of them for yeah. sure. I, I, we have the uh, the tree dog encyclopedia back here at Walk with Wick. That's actually mine. That I oh, think yeah. my dad yeah. got that for me. Must have been ten years ago or more now. And I bet I've read that thing two or three yeah. times. Three, you know, maybe three or four yeah. times already. We, we had those books too. Sure so, did. It's invaluable yeah. information for people. Yeah. And the thing I have on here is is when you're reading a book or reading articles or seeing people's social media posts or on discussion forums, you can sometimes save yourself a lot of trouble when you read about other people's uh, trials and failures that they've went through. Right. And maybe right. learn something to avoid or to do differently to avoid that in your future. Uh, so that's so we've talked a little bit about your dog, but what else will you need besides a dog whenever Whenever it comes to coon hunting, you know, the two things I know right off the bat that you're going to need, and all I had starting out with really was a light and a dog. Yeah. You can do a lot of hunting with just those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's a whole lot of things you can, you know, today's hunters have, especially the pros or the guys that have been hunting a while, they have a lot of little gadgets and a lot of that stuff is all good, but you don't really need, you don't need a whole lot to get started. Right. You know, and it, it's, uh. You got to start somewhere, you know. So yeah, a, a light is obviously uh, you got to have a light. Um, but yeah, beyond that, you know, just uh, some dog necessity, you know, some gear, some boots, obviously, oh, yeah. and things like that. You know, good decent hunting boots. You know, you'll you'll be crossing creeks and water and things like that. You know, and and as you and I have learned a long time ago, there's probably it can get pretty miserable, especially early on in the night if you get uh, if you get wet feet, and especially yeah. if it's cold. You know, so a good pair of boots, a good comfortable pair of boots is is a good thing. Just a uh, spoiler alert for anybody getting into hunting. There's some boots that just don't go high enough for some yeah. of those creeks that you're <laughs> going to get into. <laughs> yeah. But as far as, the, you know, some of the other uh, 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 gadgets, you know, like thermal imaging and all that kind of stuff, you don't need all that stuff. Right. Just get started. Not at all. You know, squalor, that's a good little thing to have, but, uh, you know, like we did when we were kids, we squalled with our mouths. Yeah. And a squaller is something what we do when we get to the tree and you squall to try to get that raccoon to look at you, you know, and, and so you can see the eyes and uh, just to get their attention, you know. But so there's mechanical squallers, there's uh, different kind of squallers that you can get. But there again, it's, some, it's not something that you need. But uh, to start out with, you know, basically a decent pair of boots, you know, and... and uh, and uh, make sure your dog has what you need on your dog. The other thing I would, before I would spend a lot of money on uh, personal items like thermal imaging and, and uh, big fancy dog boxes and things like that, would be a telemetry system for your dog. I was going to say, it's almost, it's uh, things have changed so much recently, it's almost a must-have to have some form of telemetry system on your dog with all the development of roads right. and houses right. these days. And hey, Daltra, Daltra Pathfinder Two, you can get it for four hundred dollars. Yeah, it's a it's an affordable option. Right, uh, almost half of what a lot of these gadgets that we're talking yeah. about is. And there again, you know, if uh, when you when you get to that point, you know, if there another resource might be to you know ask your mentors. You know, you might be surprised somebody might have a used system that they're looking to upgrade, and might have a used system that you can get at a at an affordable prices or affordable yeah affordable price as well. You know, so. Uh, just look around. You don't have to have everything new and the best and the latest, you know. Right. What'd you start out with? Uh, basically, what I just talked about, boots and a flashlight. A flashlight. Yeah. And that was about it, yeah. you know. We didn't have squalors. We didn't have the fancy dog. We made our dog boxes yeah. back then, you know, and things like that, you know. But uh, uh, I remember, no squalors, yeah. no anything like that. And today, still, my brother doesn't. He has a squalor or two maybe, but he just uses his mouth. Yeah. I usually carry squalors anymore, but... But he's always uh, just used his mouth, and he's pretty good at it. Yeah. He's very good at it, matter of fact. I bet not many people are anymore. You don't have to have yeah. it anymore, but that was probably yeah. a really good thing back yeah. then. Yeah. I remember just me starting out, and it's been way more recent that we had. I know Dad had a, 
a 12 inch mag light that yeah. I would carry that yep. was heavy and get in the way of everything. And then, like you said, obviously a pair of boots. And then, like you said, a, a made dog box that was made out of vinyl siding, actually. Yeah. Just on a wood yeah. frame. Yep. And uh, and that was it. I didn't have a telemetry system for the first six or eight months, probably. Yeah. And then at the, I ended up getting a, a bright eyes light from the pawn shop uh, after maybe a year of hunting with that that flashlight finally i thought i was i yeah. thought i was big time then <laughs> yeah. but it yeah. was those were still fun times oh, yeah. i mean even then you know obviously all the gadgets that we have now i have a big nice fancy light i got a vest that yeah. can hold all my stuff i got a thermal i got a good telemetry system that can tell me every road and creek and and mountain in the woods but uh i still had a ball back then hunting it does it. It makes things simpler having all those gadgets, but man, you can have just as much fun out there on your own. Yeah. Probably the other thing, I don't know if you have any notes here on it or not, but the other thing I would suggest is, uh, you know, places to hunt, you know, you have your, probably have some, uh, uh, state land you could hunt on, but property is something that you, that you need to have to be able to hunt, you know, on the right, the right type of property that uh, houses, uh, the game you're going after, you know? Uh, but the other thing I would suggest is, uh, Make sure you have permission. Get permission from those landowners to hunt on their property. Right. You know, and that can be in these these days. That's probably one of the harder things. That's you the, know, the biggest limiting factor it is. in hunting. It really anymore. is. Yep. But uh, you know, you you just got to push yourself just to go uh, uh, make make that trip to the to the landowner's place and, and talk to him about it. You know, and you might be surprised. Don't be discouraged. You're going to get turned down on some, but you're also going to uh, you're also going to pick up some some nice uh, some nice places to hunt. And then the other thing is on top of that is always remember is to respect that landowner's property that you're hunting on. You know when you go through gates, close gates, uh, never cut fences and things like that. You know you hear about some of those uh, stories sometimes that that's not something you know that's that's their property. Leave it in better shape than when you than when you got there. You know, don't leave trash laying around things like that. You know, because uh, if if you're coming to me and you're wanting to hunt on my property and you're leaving ruts in my fields and things like that, you know, uh, always walk before you go through a farmer's soft field and things like that. You know, and and respect their land. You know, but if I see fences tore up or gates left open, things like that probably not going to be hunting on my property very long. So there's just a lot of little things like that to remember. We're going to take a short break here. We'll be right back. Alan, we both had Daltra Pathfinder 2s now for a little while. What do you think about yours? I'm liking mine. One of the things I had the opportunity to now download a map of an area where I did not have service, and I've used it there, and it has worked flawlessly. I love it. Yeah, I love the crystal clear maps. I love that I never lose reception on my dog's collars anymore. Highly recommended by me as well. Dogtra Pathfinder 2, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. Well, now, now this guy's he's been hunting for a while now and he's interested in competing. This is the one that we probably get the most calls of is they're taking the jump from just pleasure hunting and now they're interested in competing in the sport, in the competition side of the sport. So how do, how do they achieve this? And I think that we both agree that the first step is that you have to become acquainted with the competition side of the sport before you jump feet first in yeah. trying to uh, to compete. And I think the best way to do that is just to find some local clubs in your area. That's usually what we would do whenever they call in. I'll get on the events calendar. We'll talk, we'll look at some of the, the events going on in their state and find them a place to go. And uh, hopefully, uh, usually we'll know somebody at that club to kind of tell them, go up, introduce yourself, tell them that we sent you uh, make a relationship there and they can help you kind of get started in that side of the sport. Yeah. And it doesn't, uh, it's, you don't have to just go to the club, you know, find something that this, somebody that, you know, that does competition, sure. hunt, you know, and, and start talking to them and yeah, go to their clubs, go to their, go to their club meetings, start, uh, start getting your feet wet a little bit and see what that's all about, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, we talked about having social media where you can learn a lot, this and that. And you'll also hear some things that are not so good. You know, people complaining about this or that, you know, and that hunters are, uh, you know, the competitions are just, uh, are just uh, you know, people cheat and this and that, you know. But I think you and I can both uh, uh, attest to this, you know, through experience that, uh, sure, there might be a few bad apples just like it is in anything. But I'm telling you, for the most part, uh, the majority of hunters and even the, the ones that compete are good, honest people. And uh, uh, a lot of times some of those uh, 
the stories you hear and read about, uh, if you really knew all the facts behind it, it's just what uh, one person's opinion is or just talking bad about something there might be for whatever reason, you know, but it's oftentimes it's not, uh, it's not as bad as some people make it out to be. Oh, for sure. And yeah, oftentimes it, it's, uh, they don't know the rules as well as, uh, as they should. Absolutely. That's a, that's a big driving factor of that yeah. for sure. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here a little bit, how important that is to, uh, you know, how it helps people to, to know and learn the rules. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and talking about getting out to the, the clubs and events, our, our events are set up where it's really easy for a beginner to come out and you can go watch the show. You can watch the water race or field trial if they're having those events. And also every hunter's allowed to have two spectators go to the woods with them. And there's always going to be some open slots for you to get out there and, and see some hunts in action. You should definitely get out there and watch some hunts and kind of listen to to some of the things that they're doing and, and seeing the dogs and how they're how the handlers are presenting themselves and get out there and, and get entrenched in that before you ever try to do it on your own. Absolutely. 100%. You know, that's uh, if you, if you just go out there and you haven't had much, you have never walked along with a cast, you're going to be, you're going to feel like you're in a, in, in a, like a fish out of water probably, you know? So yeah, go and, and there'll be guys that'll uh, gladly let you go along and, and spectate, be a spectator and uh, go watch several, several casts before you uh, jump in with, uh, with your own dog. Just kind of learn the ropes a little bit, you know, and, and see what happens out there. And and uh, I can tell you it's an exciting thing, you know, for as as a handler. It's there's just something about it's it's um it's if you like sports or, you know, yeah. in, in if in school, high school, if you like sports and things like that, uh the competition, this is also a competition. There's just something exciting about it, even though it's with with dogs on a different, total different platform than say playing baseball, it's still very exciting. There's competition there, and it's one thing that's different is you, you and your dog are kind of a team. You're gonna call your dog for what it does, you know, and that's that's your job to do that, you know. And it's uh, you you hope there's a lot of anticipation there. You hope your dog performs the way you you want him to. Right. When when the when the when you're in competition, you know that doesn't always happen, but uh, it's just. It adds an element of excitement that you don't get in some other sports for sure. For sure. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not depending on, I'm not depending on you. It's not you and I working together. It's me and an animal. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of variables that go yeah. in when you, when you introduce an animal and a dog for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, one good thing about our clubs also is a lot of them have extra materials sitting around always. And, and we have rule books at all our events. You can come get them, but a scorecard is almost just as good when you're first starting out because on the back of every scorecard is our, our running rules mm -hmm. and you can get, get acquainted with the rules that way. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of the clubs will have them there available. We always send plenty for the event. They always have some extra. So just yeah. when you go, grab you a scorecard and start just reading that back. That's yeah. very important. Start with the basics. You don't need to know all the rules, you know, in the first week or first month or first year. It's, uh, you know, you and I have been doing it for a long time, and you're going to be learning for a long time, you know. And, yeah. and the longer you do it, you're going to be better versed on the rules. And don't be overwhelmed by them or discouraged that you don't know them, you know. It's one thing to read the rules, and then number two is to go out and apply them. You're going to come up with different, unique situations, you know, and, and learn what rule applies to the situation you have, you know, learn how to recognize the situation you have, Absolutely. and then what a rule applies to it, you know, and it's going to take time. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Don't shoot to be an expert. Just nope. shoot to be familiar with the rules. Yep. And if something uh, were to happen while you're in the woods, maybe have an idea of where to look at on that scorecard, what section to look in to get your answer because they're going to be in there. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that we talk about a lot, and we send out a lot of scorecards to just a handful of scorecards to people here and there that are interested in getting into hunting because they can go on, they can have practice hunts with their friends or buddies yep. or or whoever and and kind of put the rules to, to the yeah. test out there in the woods and there's another one you know before you go to uh go to your first night hunt uh go go have a practice hunt with with a couple of buddies even if it's just one other person that's a good way to start just heads up you know with one other buddy and then maybe another cast with uh with a couple three or four dogs in it you know and and take scorecards and like uh like you mentioned uh if you need to UKC is always going to be happy to mail you a couple scorecards that you can use for practice purposes with your buddies for that stuff. And or, speaking of, it's actually on our website as well. You can yeah. just 
uh, print one as well if you have that capability. Exactly. You don't have to wait on us to mail it. You can do that. I've actually done that before before I started yep, working. For sure. And that's a good way to, to, to learn. Get your feet wet. Uh, do some practice stuff with your uh, with your buddies first. And a lot of clubs, uh, I would suggest also to become a member of your local club in your area. And a lot of clubs have, not all of them, but a lot of them have like uh, what they call uh, uh, club events where they're non-licensed event, just club buddy hunts. Uh, where they might have a, a you know a hound of the year or something like that just for their members you know and that's a that's a good way to get started as well yeah there, there's some things that you can learn by just by doing that one thing for sure is is running times because whenever mm-hmm. you're pleasure hunting you have you don't you don't really recognize the time that you're using you're not thinking about uh striking a dog within the minute or the minute rule the minute grace period you're not thinking about three minutes tree time you're not yep. thinking about does my dog open every six minutes mm-hmm. on on trail yeah uh, you're not thinking about an hour hunt, really. I mean, if you're not keeping time, you're just yeah. out there enjoying yourself and, and running time is one of the main things to get familiar with, with running time and keeping those things. And then, like you said, is, is the hardest thing for, I think a lot of people is applying the rule book to situations you see in the woods. You may know what the tree and but not declared tree rule is when you're reading it in the book, but when you get there and there's a dog there you're, and you're thinking, yeah. what the heck do I do with this dude? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it just takes flipping over the card yeah. and kind of just putting it to the test and, and becoming familiar with that. Yeah. And then the other thing I would add to that is, you know, you, you see maybe you might see some more experienced guys or handlers out there with it, with a dog that you feel is, is maybe not as good as your dog, but maybe they, maybe they're winning more with your dog. They're beating you. And oftentimes, um, that has a lot of that has to do with, uh, inexperience. Right. And often by, by the inexperience, I mean, is, is I remember when I first started, it was hard for me to keep myself calm down and not uh, not overcall my dog, so to speak. You know, you got to you got to call your dog struck when it opens up, you know, or call it treed when it when it trees. You know, and the thing is, you want to try to beat be the first dog to be treed or whatever. You know, get that first tree, this and that. But you want to make sure you know your dog and the difference between me as the inexperienced handler and you as the experienced handler. You're probably not going to jump the gun as quickly as what I am, because what I'm, if you jump the gun and tree your dog when it's not treed, you got minus points coming. It's those type of things that are so much harder to overcome, and that's the reason the more experienced guy is not doing those things, and he's going to get more wins than you are, maybe even sometimes with a lesser dog. But he knows that uh, you know that's a hard thing to overcome. Sometimes you know uh, you have a lot of dogs that are you know. Uh, some good hounds out there that you're going to be competing against. And if you're, uh, and that's where also where doing your homework during the, during the week, get to know your dog. We're talking about t- using telemetry systems and you and I see it all the time, guys, and especially young guys always looking at their telemetry. The one thing, one difference I think uh, between the old days before we had telemetry systems and now is you can look at that thing. And when you're looking at that all the time, sometimes your ears are not in tune with your dog, what your, you know, your dog's opening out there in the dark and you're watching your screen. If you put that screen away, you would be surprised how much more focus your ears are going to, how much more you're going to intake or take in, you know, what's your dog and learn every bark your dog's making, you know, if it's a, if it's a tougher track, you know, and just learn your dog's characteristics and yeah. things like that. That is going to help you as a handler. That's You know, know, know yeah. when to, Hey, back off here. Don't get too jumpy here, you know, and, and the odds of, uh, you know, uh, those minus points. I remember when I started, I, I, and I couldn't help myself. I knew what I was doing wrong, getting too jumpy. And I'd tell myself, you know, I gotta, I gotta, can't do that. And next thing you know, you get excited, you get into that next hunt and by golly, I've done it again. Yeah. Here I'm 125 in the hole already and we've barely got started. Yeah. <laughs> you see a lot of talk about, uh, high level handlers and how, yeah. how yeah. they, I think the, the conception is that a lot of them. Uh, they construe the rules to fit their situations and they take, they take advantage of the rules. And honestly, I think that the bigger thing that you see from a, from a good handler that's consistently winning is that they're not making the mistakes on the rules that maybe some, some more novices is. So I think that's a good point. Uh, I think that's, that's a big part of yeah. uh, the pros aren't making those uh, mistakes. Absolutely. You limit mistakes and you're, you're in a good spot to win, to win the coon hunt the way the rules are set up for sure. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about hunting, but we don't want to leave any of the show stuff out as well. And for anybody who's interested in start competing in the shows as well, uh, obviously you're going to go to the club, maybe see some different shows and learn the subtleties of a show, learn how the shows work. I think it's important. Learn the flow of the show. 
uh, figure out when, what breeds are going in the rings at what time, when you need to be ringside with your dog, uh, learn about gating, learn about the pay, how to uh, figure out the pace of your dog to get the most out of its gait exactly. and get its movement on the ground. A lot of things like that. You mentioned, you know, there's a, there is a sequence and a procedure for the breeds that are, you know, that get called in first and, and this and that, you know, learn those. That's not a hard thing to learn. All that stuff, the procedures and everything are noted in the rule book. Yep. And it's not that hard to learn, but if you if you do that, you know, pay attention as a handler. Uh, one uh, one rule is that it's the handler's responsibility that their dog is entered and shown in the correct class. So if you don't, uh, you know, if if you miss your class, and even if it was inadvertent or a mistake or whatever, your class is already shown and you didn't get your dog in it. Um, then, then you've missed out on that. You know, they can't go back and redo that class or anything like that, you know, so uh, pay attention, you know, and kind of know what the procedure is, learn what the procedure is. And there again, just like night hunts, uh, go watch some shows, uh, take your rule book, ask questions, this and that. So all good stuff. Yeah. I think uh, a, a mistake that a lot of new handlers may make when it comes to the shows is they have the gate down. Uh, they have the movement on the ground. They have the show. They can sit, put their dog up there, put it in the right position, and it'll stand like a statue. Yeah. But then when you put in the other factors that they're not thinking about whenever they're training their dog, like maybe there's a crowd there that day, a different, a different service. If they're, they're not on grass. Maybe they're on concrete at yeah. this one. Yep. Uh, being around different people or strange people touching your dog. And then there's other dogs, uh, strange dogs. Maybe one's a little growly over here. Maybe one's barking over at the tailgate. You know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of different factors in there that you have to acclimate your dog two yeah. before you can put in a show and for it to excel at the at his potential that's, that's a great point and i remember i'll tell you just really quickly when when uh i had a at, i don't know when it was i had a, a young dog when i soon after i first started in first five years i was competing but i used to show some dogs as well and i had one that was a pretty good looking hound and, and i got him qualified for the world uh and it didn't have any uh wasn't going to go but i had a buddy of mine who was a much better handler than i was at the time and, and he said, hey, I'll show the dog in the world show if you let me come over and practice the dog a little bit. Well, he brings his young kid that was like uh, five or six years old, and he wanted me to stay in the house and not be around his my dog when he's out there practicing the dog, working with the dog. So I'm looking out there, and he's got his little kid, you know, crawling all over the bench, and, I'm, and the dog's just moving around, not holding still for him. Yeah. And I'm thinking, dude, come on, man, if you get your uh, little girl away from him, she's distracting him. Right. Well, that's exactly what he wanted. Right. To distract the dog and, and the dog, you know, work with the dog uh, during these distractions. So there's a lot of things like that. And there again, the handlers, the experienced uh, handlers in the shows, uh, they've learned a lot of things. And you brought up a good point, getting them acclimated to different things. Your dog might show well, you might have a bench at home and sets up very nicely around the kennel and it's an environment that it's used to. Uh, but go take it to a strange place. You mentioned different uh, surfaces, you know, cement over grass, over uh, gravel, and uh, maybe some surfaces are, you know, smooth cement can be a little slick, you sure. know, or it might have something that's just odd for the dog, you know. But the dogs need to be um, be introduced to those uh, different different atmospheres and different uh, – and, and that's what the experienced handlers are going to have all their dogs put all, through all that stuff before uh, – before they're ready to to win, you know, and distractions is another one. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. you know, a lot of dogs aren't, you know, sometimes you go to a big show like Autumn Oaks, you go in there and uh, some of these younger dogs, especially not used to it, is a PA system, yeah. things like that. Just things that aren't natural for them or that are new to them. It's a lot of things like that. It's always good to expose dogs. You know, speaking of, I'm probably going way out of line here. You're and, fine. And Roll with it. If I am, but, uh, you know, there's... Uh, it, that's why you're going to see some of the experienced handlers bringing dogs to big shows like Autumn Oaks that are, they are not even showing. That's but right. guess what? They're in training. Yep. They're getting them used to a lot of other strange dogs around the area, uh, maybe take them inside the buildings, you know, and the different sounds and smells and all that's different. Just getting them used to uh, different things and acclimated. Yeah. It's a training process. I think if, if that's the first time that if the day you enter the show is the first time your dog sees those things, mm-hmm. you're not going to do very well. Same as if the first time you enter a dog in the hunt is the first time it's seen other dogs mm-hmm. and handlers and that sort of thing in the yeah. woods. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not a recipe for success. And, you know, uh, as far as learning mentoring there, there's a lot of good folks that a lot of good experienced handlers out there that are always more than willing 
to give you good little pointers and help you uh, learn how to show dogs properly. One thing I'm loving seeing at, at both the local event level and some of the more major events is that we're even at a at a just a standard show where there's a lot of adults there. We're seeing more uh, maybe lessons and seminars out there. Uh, I know we've heard of a couple clubs recently that are playing maybe this podcast or a rules video where we're talking about rule interpretations at the club before an event while they're waiting on the deadline to get there for people to kind of become more familiar with some interpretations. That's a great, that's a great idea by those clubs. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and um, as far as, uh, as far as like the, uh, the uh, leaning on experience, you know, there's, there's just a, a lot of people that you can go to, to, to learn from, ask, ask questions. Yeah. And then uh, seminars. Uh, we've seen some really good bench show seminars. Uh, Youth nationals is one where I always enjoy going there. Uh, the first year I was there, Jana Emery was the, the bench show judge, she put on an excellent seminar yeah. uh, this past year. Tiffany Schmerschel, yeah. uh, she was in Ohio, and yep. she put on a great one. Every kid in attendance was so attentive, and she had a lot of good stuff. And uh, I think that's a, that's you a would, great way. And there was adults in there, and I was I was learning some stuff. You know, yeah. everybody everybody has a chance to soak it in. So if yeah. you have that opportunity, take your kid to Youth yeah. Nationals and sit through one of those seminars. Absolutely. You know, we're talking about, I, I don't know, we, we want to be very clear here. We have older guys that have older folks men, women that, that, uh, would like to get into it. This is, it doesn't matter if you're young, old, older, or what have you, you know, uh, come on. Yeah. You know, you got to start somewhere and I don't care if you're 40, 50 years old already and never done it, interested in try it. Come on. You know, yeah. that this all applies to you. And if you're a, a younger person, uh, uh, below, uh, you know, we have our youth events that are, uh, uh, eight or 17 and, and under, right. that's a good way to, uh, uh, you know, to get your feet wet. We have the yep events where it's just youth only that you're competing against in, in night hunts. Uh, you know, if, if that's not as in, you know, f to, for, especially for a younger kid to go up and handle against experienced adults, that can be a little intimidating sure. for a lot of kids sure it can. and, and rightfully so, but in, Hey, no, there's a lot of youth only events. We have, I think over 200 a year. You really look the look at the calendar, look for youth events. If you're a young person, uh, there's those events out there for you. If that's uh, if that's what you're looking for, why go to them? Yeah, and go, then yeah, go compete with other kids. That's kind of your age and skill level. Yeah. So now we've talked a lot about uh, gathering information, uh, getting adjusted to the rules. Once you feel like you've done that, once you feel like you've got your dog down, you know all about your dog's subtleties. You've put it in different situations where. Uh, you feel like it's been tested. Now you're familiar with the rule set, whether you be showing or hunting or whatever. They're, they all have their own set of rules. Be familiar with them. Then maybe time to go uh, Go ahead and jump in and enter an event. Yeah. Give it a try. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, I think I think the important thing for any newbie, and like you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I think it's important that we uh, mention it again here, is when you're first going in and entering, uh, don't let uh, negative feedback on social media or different platforms puts you in a negative attitude going into the event where you think, man, I'm, it's my first time here. I'm definitely going to get cheated. These guys are out for blood at these events. No, it's not really like that. You go out there, you go in with a positive attitude, yeah. and more than likely you're going to have a really positive experience. Good point. Good point. And Good I think point. I think it's it, it oftentimes if you go in with a negative attitude, you're going to get a negative outcome. You go in with a positive attitude, you're going to come out with a positive attitude. Just whatever you put into it is what you're going to get out of that's, it. That's exactly right, for and, sure. And the important thing, and we've talked about it a couple of times already, is that we we're all beginners at one point. You talk about you were a beginner at one point, your first time entering a hunt, your first yep. time judging different things. Made some big big mistakes that, I, that I'm not going to make today, you know, yeah. but uh, that's how you learn. Yeah. You know, in right. those events and yep. practicing around is, is how you're going to uh, work towards perfecting your craft. Yeah. Yep. So, and the other thing I would suggest, you know, with rules, you know, with, with these competition always also comes rules and, and don't expect, don't expect to get uh, for anybody to make provisions because of your inexperience, you know, rules are rules and it is a competition there. Everybody's paying their entry fee and they get, they should get their due diligence, you know, sure. and, and so don't expect, uh, don't expect somebody to, uh, 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 bend the rules for you or, uh, or anything like that, you know, um, uh, take what you got rightfully coming and don't take what you don't. Hey, Trevor, how about those wait times in the registration queue these days? 
Uh, that department done an awesome job cutting down on call queue wait times, shortening the length of time between emails, and the chat feature is still a short, valuable option. And those those times have went down to nothing. Uh, these days, uh, there is hardly any wait time at all. Right. And you're able to get a hold of those departments from 8.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time now, Monday through Friday. Well, I think we had some pretty good discussions today for anybody new to the sport, wanting to get into the sport, whether it be just getting into hunting or just now starting to compete in hunting. I know we had some, uh, we have uh, obviously a lot more information that we're going to go of over for new for new people in different roles in the sport. And I think that's going to end it here for part one. We don't want to make this one too long and probably going to come back with a part two where we talk about uh, making the jump from competing to judging and then ultimately maybe uh, roles in, in a coon club or association or something yeah, like when that. Yeah, when we started the show, you mentioned, you know, we want to cover about four different topics. And I think so far we've been a little <laughs> long-winded and it's probably, that's probably on me a little bit there, but uh seems like we've got about halfway through. So I think uh, making this uh, a, a second segment here is is going to be good, I think. Yeah. And I think this one kind of, uh, these these two that we talked about tie in really well yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of good information. But one thing I want to make sure to stress to anybody listening is that uh, if you have questions about this, don't be scared or intimidated to reach out to us. You can always get a hold of our hunting ops department. Uh, you can reach us by phone. Obviously, our phone number's on our website. It's 269-343-9020. Make sure you're going to the hunting ops department. We're always available for calls yeah. uh, unless we're on the road or something, and then we can always get back to you at our earliest time we can. Yeah, and you and I have learned that we've got to know a lot, a lot of folks, you know, in, in our jobs and just out hunting and things, you know, to do with dogs. And we can probably, uh, there's probably very few places around the country that we can't hook somebody up with a with a mentor, somebody that they can hook up with to go hunting or to talk to, and that would be more than willing to talk to somebody that's interested in starting. Absolutely. Absolutely. If so, we can help somebody like that, why well, don't hesitate to call us or email us or something for sure. That's right. You can reach us by email at huntingops at ukcdogs.com. Uh, that's kind of our hunting ops uh, email, and we can get it to different people. It, it may come directly to you and I, if, and we can help you out best we can to get you in contact with somebody who may be able to help you. And then also there's a new chat feature for anybody who's maybe a younger person on their phone. Yeah. Just go to ukcdogs.com yeah. there in the bottom right corner, hit that chat feature, and uh, we'll always help you out the best we can. Yeah, and that's, you know, hunting with dogs is, uh, is uh, you and I both know that's, uh, it's addicting. At least for me it was, you know, it's a, it's a sport. It's uh, not just a sport. It's, it's also just fun to just go pleasure hunting with your dog and this and that. But, you know, competing with them just adds another element and, um, it's just a lot of fun, and it's good, good, good fun. You meet a lot of great people over the years, too. Thanks for listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to like and follow UKC Hunting Ops on Facebook and Instagram.